This is the place where Black is the main character, where we dive into something new like the latest season of Them, The Scare, and the award-winning American fiction. Or add to the experience by buying or renting the biopic of a legend, Bob Marley, One Love. And add on channels like Paramount Plus and Stars to bask in nostalgia with Beverly Hills Cop and BMF. Explore Prime Video's culture-rated collection and enjoy old-school greats and new-school hits. Restrictions apply. See Amazon.com slash Amazon Prime for details. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. This is the Yanks Go Yard Podcast with Adam Weinrib and Thomas Carinante. Welcome into a Monday holiday week edition of the Yanks Go Yard podcast. I'm Adam Weiner alongside Thomas Carinante. You heard from us on Friday because the New York Yankees signed Carlos Rodon on Thursday night. That was, it was pretty cool. And it required us to go live, uh, I would say, again, after the final episode of last week, the Thursday app. We gave you a little bonus, but... The joys of going live on Friday mean uh, Friday to Monday. I mean, what really changed? The Yankees didn't sign anybody. They lost out on someone who we <laughs> spent a good chunk of real estate on on Friday's podcast talking about the potential of landing him, Andrew Benintendi. We were like, oh, wow, it felt like they probably couldn't afford it, but they keep dropping these breadcrumbs. He must not have a five-year offer he likes. Maybe he ends up settling for a three-year. Nope, five-year mega deal with the Chicago White Sox Friday afternoon after the podcast so so much for following those breadcrumbs we'll talk about it it's a lot of money for someone who i don't think a lot of us trusted that much and, and we're sort of happy to play along with him in the sandbox but when push came to shove five years you're going to commit to this version of andrew benintendi with regressing metrics and five home runs last year i don't know i mean i get it the white Sox have some money to play with i, I get why they did it but i don't think you can kill the yankees over this one but we're going to talk about andrew benintendi and what's next in left field Plus, the Baltimore Orioles giving us a little bit of a break, having a weird offseason when they could probably be having a better one and, and trying to contend for a, a wild card spot and beyond. Also, joining the Boston Red Sox in the confusing offseason basement. Sox did something I liked last night, and their offseason's still bad because they're living in a different galaxy than Rafael Devers, which you're going to want to get into the same galaxy. Also, Dansby Swanson, a Cub, a couple free agent updates from this weekend. People started talking about the Yankees and Dansby. Never got it. Go Cubbies. Uh, if you're going to splurge on a shortstop, why splurge on the worst one? But Joe's McFly just had to tweet, had to tweet the name Dansby Swanson overnight. And it caused a fervor into the Saturday morning, but no, he is a Chicago cub. Plus Aaron judges 60 second home run auction. Did the investment banker man who caught it cost himself $1.5 million. It seems like it. Does that even hurt him? Is that like when you prick me with a small needle losing $1.5 million for the VP at Fisher investments? It's worth asking. 
Make sure to find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Drop us a review. Drop us a mailbag question. Let that train know that it's podcast time and it's going to move on. Uh, but find us live on YouTube, 2 o'clock Eastern, Mondays and Thursdays. Uh, we'll wrap up this free holiday week with another pod on Thursday. And then it's off to the races for y'all. We're going to be taking some time off to celebrate the holidays with our friends and family. But the baseball media landscape does not sleep. So we will continue to produce content for all of y'all in accordance with signings that go down. Thomas Carinante, welcome to the podcast. Uh, I mean, I feel like I hadn't thought about Andrew Benintendi in any compelling way until we were live on Friday. And I was like, oh, you know what? I mean, if they want to do it, then they want to do it. But uh, somebody wanted to do it more, and that was the Chicago White Sox. I'm not upset by this. Earlier in the offseason, I questioned it. There was a Yankees Twitter crazy place. I don't even know why I respond to it. I don't even know why I associate myself with it, but people were like, I need Andrew Benintendi in pinstripes next year. Do you? You needed Andrew Benintendi in pinstripes. He played 33 games. They were below average 33 games. He's had to reinvent his entire hitting profile, which is not really anything the Yankees are in desperate need of, especially if he's going to, you have to think, right? You're on the Royals. It's lower stakes. You're dealing with a lot less pressure. You have to think there's going to be some sort of a downturn in production when you're going to a higher leverage scenario um, where the expectations are much greater. Um, And maybe I'm wrong about that, but I think we saw right off the bat, he, what was hitting for, he was hitting three something in Kansas city Mm -hmm. for striking out comes to New York immediately. Doesn't hit the ball immediately starts striking out a ton. Again, it was a very small sample size. It ended up being 33 games. He started turning it around over like the final 10 of them or whatever before breaking his wrist. But um, if you're talking expenditures, right, do I disagree with this deal? Absolutely not. The man's 28 years old. This deal will take him through age 32 or age 33, which I think is totally fine and okay. I think Andrew Benintendi is someone who will age well um, based on his frame and his athletic ability and his, his hitting style at this point. Um, do I think it was an absolute necessity that the Yankees made that expenditure? Absolutely not. Outfielders are the most expendable asset out there. I apologize to outfielders for saying that, but there are three positions in the outfield. We've seen how many of the last off seasons where Jock Peterson was regarded as one of the cost effective options out there. Mm -hmm. AJ Pollock's out there. I will take AJ Pollock on this team. Andrew McCutcheon is out there. I will take Andrew McCutcheon on this team. Those will be one-year commitments. Those will be under $8 million. Move on after 2023, maybe. Maybe you give them a a team option for 2024. You lessen your luxury tax hit in 2023. Mm -hmm. You give them an option to maybe return next year if if the relationship ended up panning out. Whatever. Did not need to do a five-year commitment, especially with the other – larger commitments that we've had to made Yankees were absolutely right to prioritize Carlos Rodon here for based on what they needed based on the future of the uh the future outlook of the rotation so I'm happy for Andrew Benintendi I'm glad that he got his money I'm glad that he's going to a team that's actually okay I know the White Sox were incredibly disappointing last year but they still have the makeup to do something they're in a very weak division so you never really know what's going to happen in the central year in and year out um but to me on the surface I think the Yankees could do better for less or get a different element in regard to what they might be looking for in the roster makeup 
with less of a commitment there. Five years is a lot. That takes that takes Benintendi through the Judge Prime years. Is that kind of what is that what the Yankees were considering doing? I don't know if that was the best move. You already have a lot of aging guys on this roster. I'm not saying Benintendi's getting old, but you take him into close to his mid thirties. It gets a little bit messy. You want to leave some of these spots open for longer term commitments down the road because you have Donaldson coming off the books next year. You have maybe Aaron Hicks has a mini bounce back year this year and you can trade him next offseason or at this year's deadline. Who knows? I doubt it, but who knows? You never know. Um, you have Bader coming off the books. Um, you have Rizzo on this roster, another aging player. Uh, so I I think that they, they made the right choice here. They let Benintendi get what he needed. Now you could go fishing in the free agent pool. You could find somebody who's just as productive gives you a hitting profile that you probably are more attracted to, and you can get the defense that's just as suitable. I think that this was right for all parties. I wonder about Bader and a short-term extension, too, because we're seeing how hard it is to fill this field vacancy uh, already this offseason, right? Andrew Benintendi was the focus of most fans, not because he came to New York and was an absolute dream, but because – there are very few options on the table. He yeah. was a familiar one. He was long-term possibility. And he was a former Red Sox. We all knew what he brought to the table. I think he will age well in certain respects. I, I think his glove will age well. I, I mm-hmm. think his ability to make contact will age well. But I worry about the power, which is already disappearing. And committing – we talked in the past, and I always say, like, hey, you know, seventh, eighth year of a deal for Giancarlo Stanton or whatever. Like, you can bury him if you have to in, in year seven – he can be a DH, a slugging bench player, et cetera. You kind of, I don't know what you're going to do with, like, it, let's say Benintendi is washed up by the end of year three. Like, you're really going to carry this expensive bench player in year four. We're seeing how hard it is to bench someone like Josh Donaldson at 36, 37. Like, benching Benintendi at 31 is probably going to be pretty tough to do if you've just made this financial commitment. So you're basically saying he's got to be my starting left fielder for five years at this point. And I understand why the white I understand why the White Sox did it. It looked for a while like no one was going to do it. And then Chicago did, and and now you have a cornerstone in the outfield who somebody put up his OPS marks against the AL Central, and they're ridiculous. He kills that division. You're probably going to have a good time in 2023 with Andrew Benintendi on the White Sox. Probably 2024 as well, maybe 2025. And if you show somebody also tweeted like the Yankees could now bid this deal. Of course they could have. They didn't want to. They did not want five years of Andrew Benintendi. Now the question is, who's next? Because we went through the Diamondbacks options. They're pretty underwhelming. If Dalton Varsho is available, that's fine. It's, in fact, probably good. The The advanced metrics there look just as shaky as Benintendi's hard hit rates. A little bit worse. But he hit 27 bombs last year and Benintendi hit five. So that's where you lose me with the advanced metric stuff. Like, no, Benintendi is actually more likely to hit the ball hard. When you hit the ball hard, it's more likely to go over the fence. Well, not really, because Dalton Varsho lapped him by 22 home runs in the NL West. So that's just not real life. We, we live in real life. He had 27 homers. Now he'd be going to Yankee Stadium, where people seem to enjoy that short porch quite a bit. Uh, I like Varsho, Jake McCarthy, interesting but underwhelming. And if you tell me he's a starting left fielder on opening day, I go, ugh. Like, fine as a fifth outfielder, fourth outfielder. Don't think I want him to be my opening day starter. Uh, Max Kepler, 
who it feels like is the most polarizing topic in Yankees Twitter right now. Max Kepler, the advanced metrics don't line up at all with his production. Last year, he had OPSs in the 600s and 500s in June, July, August. Uh, just a bad baseball player. Just kind of a not good baseball player who would be frustrating to the point that Aaron Hicks frustrates people. Aaron Hicks outperformed Max Kepler during the summer months last year. Aaron Hicks had months of like a 767 OPS. We don't remember because he ended the year on the lowest note possible and got banished from home playoff games. But 2022 Aaron Hicks is better than 2022 Max Kepler, who's done nothing since they took the juiced ball out of the game. So I'm not interested in that. And that's going to be a costly trade. That's what you want to use Clark Schmidt for, getting Max Kepler? Not really. Yeah. Uh, doing it I, again. Yeah. Doing it again. You find one. there's one trade target that somebody mentions. It's ostensibly a fit. And now it's, oh, we got it. We absolutely have to get this guy. This is someone we need in pinstripes. No, we don't. Where I don't understand where these conversations come from. It's crazy. It's Gallo-esque. Like, I, I think Max Kepler is going to be just as frustrating as Gallo. Yeah. And if you're, like, trading Glaber Torres or trading Clark Schmidt to get him, like, yeah, if they literally are able to – if they're able to dump Aaron Hicks and take a flyer on Max Kepler, sure. sure. Not as a starter, and it just – I'm not going to be enthused by that notification when it comes down. We all see it coming. I'm interested in – uh, my guys, I, I like the short-term signings. I like McCutcheon. I, I would tolerate A.J. Pollock. The White Sox thought A.J. Pollock was a starting caliber player on a central champion caliber team last year. He, he hates the bad. Astros. Yeah, he hates the Astros. That's fun. Catches fly balls and says, like, fuck you guys or whatever. Um, I'm fine. Uh, I, I would like to try and see if you can engage the Oakland A's on Seth Brown, uh, who I kind of thought Seth Brown just killed us last year. Every time he came up, I was like, oh, this guy's kind of tough. But obviously, we lose to teams like the A's all the time. And I was like, is it just me? Not really. 116 OPS plus 25 bombs, 1.7 war. I'll take that. Uh, my preferred option, and I wrote about this today, has not been published yet, but everybody could just go look at it in the future, is Austin Meadows, who injury plagued, stepped away for his mental health last year, had some struggles in his first he year really in Detroit. Uh, he did. But uh, the textbook definition of clutch, people think of him as a Yankee killer from his days with the raise and he is primarily a fielder so you'd be shoving around peg into a bit of a square hole but he's got two more years the tigers obviously didn't think they were going nowhere when they acquired him last year but they are they have a new president of baseball ops in place and scott harris to make decisions that the pre maybe he can undo some of the previous regime's decisions you look at the numbers in, in against the yankees he hit 14 homers and 44 starts 32 ribs kills him uh he's got like a 900 ops but all of his numbers increase in high leverage situations. Uh, runners in scoring position, he's like he hits twenty five points better, and OPS is like a hundred points better than if you take uh, runners off the base paths. And in high leverage situations, again, those numbers escalate by the same amount. He is a better hitter with runners in scoring position and runners on base than he is with the bases empty. He is a better hitter in at bats that matter than in at bats that don't matter. It's just true. So worried about the mental health things for sure, and and that can get tough in the Bronx, but. It doesn't get tough in the Bronx when you're playing well. So if he hits to the back of his baseball card, which he even did last year, hitting 250 with a 343 OBP and 128 weird at-bats nobody really remembers in Detroit, the fans will love you. I don't think, you know, mental health struggles obviously translate uh, across regional lines. They're not going to disappear when he arrives in New York, but the fans aren't going to be particularly tough on Austin Meadows just because he's a Ray or just because he's a new addition and he's not Andrew Benintendi. If he comes here and performs, which he's done everywhere he's ever gone, fans will treat him well. 
Welcome to Prime Video's culture-rated collection. This is the place where Black is the main character, where we don't jump through hoops just to hear our voice and can fall in love with illuminating documentaries like Giannis' The Marvelous Journey. I'm just a hard worker that's trying to survive. Enjoy the animated series, The Second Best Hospital in the Galaxy. All doctors report immediately. Where we dive into something new like the latest season of Them, The Scare, and the award-winning American fiction. Welcome home, baby! Or add to the experience by buying or renting the biopic of a legend, Bob Marley, One Love. I want my music to unify people. And add on channels like Paramount Plus and Stars to bask in nostalgia with Beverly Hills Cop. This is the cleanest police car I've ever been in in my life. And BMF. You're about to take over the whole nation. Explore Prime Video's culture-rated collection and enjoy old-school greats and new-school hits. Prime Video. Find your happy place. Restrictions apply. See Amazon.com slash Amazon Prime for details. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. The mental health thing does worry me, though, because New York doesn't help that. Um, we've seen it with countless players, especially over the last few years. Joey Gallo was the latest, talking about how he didn't feel safe walking on the streets of New York. Um, crazy stuff. Yeah. Um, but Hope Meadows is doing well. I would take him. I certainly would take him. Another lefty bat. He hits for power. You have right field, obviously. Um, and if worse comes to worse, I think – you can just figure out again with these other left fielders, right? It's either you overpay for a star, which you don't need in left field, or you take a flyer on somebody who is solid or has a decent resume. Don't pay a huge price. If it works out huge win, if it doesn't, I guess Oswaldo Cabrera is playing left field. Doesn't it, you know, it, it just is what it is. Or you explore options at the trade deadline. I want Ian Happ here. I don't know how many more times I could talk about it, I've tried the whole thing, speaking it into existence, you know, meditating at night, um, doing my ohms 
um, extra loud where the walls vibrate. Um, I'm not getting my way yet. Maybe I have to do it through the trade deadline. I don't know. That's the guy for the Yankees, in my opinion. Anybody else who's coming here in between should be a low-cost, uh, a high-reward endeavor um, and nothing more. Um, speaking of low-cost, is that what this is? I Low guess. Price? I don't know. Corey Yeomans, Yeomans, I don't know how to say his last I name. I like Yeomans. Uh, I mean, no one knows. And Corey is not going to come on this show ever. Based no, on he's that. not. This stuff we're um, worried about him. So. <laughs> Corey Yeomans caught Aaron Judge's 62nd home run in Arlington, Texas, the night Aaron Judge broke the AL home run record against the Rangers. Yeah. Um, and it was funny because he's the vice president of an investment firm that manages, I think, a, billions worldwide. I think yeah. when we first learned about that, um, he was being interviewed by some press as he walked out of the ballpark. He said he wasn't sure what he was going to do with the home run ball yet. Um, in classic financial fan, uh, financial man fashion, um, he decided to take the route to attempt to make the most money. Why, why be benevolent in any form when you're a gajillionaire? Why mm-hmm. give the ball to Aaron Judge when you don't have to? Why donate the ball to a museum when you? When you don't have to, why not just take the most money possible? Well, long story short, Yalmans was offered $3 million at the time of catching the ball, turned it down. Ball went to auction. 1.5 million was the final sale. So did the rich, the rich lose one here? Did the rich get poorer? Did the rich just get marginally richer? You tell me. Hmm. Well, I think it's interesting that uh, our friend Corey was the <laughs> was the only person to end up with one of these milestone balls, right? We had number sixty. Crazy. Number sixty fell into the Yankee Stadium crowd. A, a young man got it, gave it back to Aaron Judge, kind of foolishly, a little foolishly, got a little bit, got a meet and greet. Uh, yeah, you have the other ends of the spectrum here. You have an absolutely crazy, foolish decision, and then you have an unreasonably greedy decision from someone who doesn't. It's unbelievable yeah. how this world works. You can't. The thing with the the guy we we called the the 60th home run ball guy a plant because he was like, all I just wanted Aaron to be happy, and I just you know <laughs> he's someone who's brought us so much, and I hope he's here for a long time. I and maybe this changed his <laughs> mind when he was sleeping in the wee hours after the arson judge tweet, deciding where to go, and he was like, oh, that kid was so nice, like. That meet and greet was so valuable that you, you, there's really there's no way that you're getting adequate value out of that meet and greet. Like judges and judges imparting life changing advice on this kid in that like handshake session. But 60th home run ball goes to the scrum and goes to this kid, and that's great. 61st home run ball goes to the Blue Jays bullpen, and uh, Matt Bushman, the Blue Jays bullpen catcher, gets it, gives it to the Yankees. They authenticated, give it to Judge Great. I don't know if either of those balls are in the Hall of Fame. I don't know where they are, but the Yankees were lucky enough that uh, number 60 went to a kind child and number 61 went to a Blue Jays employee. And so nobody hoarded the wealth. Corey, our man, Fisher Investments VP, uh, VP. I don't know if I trust him with uh, investing my money. I've never been. I don't (laughs) swim in this end of the pool. So, like, I don't have to worry about. uh, I don't (laughs) I don't know if you have enough money to do investment bankers woo you. I don't know if they do or if I would go to Corey or if Corey would go to me. But either way, I'm not in the market for his services, so it doesn't matter. He was reportedly offered $3 million for this ball and turned it down and took it to auction. 
And the auction price was at like 1.2 million with a couple days left. Mm -hmm. And uh, shout out to our comment section. I wrote about it and said like, whoa, this guy lost himself a ton of money. The commenters were like, "Uh, have you ever heard of auctions? Auction much? Like if he was offered $3 million, then he knows that auctions have reserve prices. He'll be smart enough to set a reserve and he's not going to walk away with less than what he's hoping for. And if he's smart he knows that he had that initial offer and he probably set the reserve at $3 million. Well, the auction closed at 1.5 million. He did not set a reserve. If he did, it was lower than that. He lost half the money he would have made, which Corey, it's a terrible investment. Uh, As far as I know, I'm no investment expert. I didn't go to some fancy investment school like you, but I know that $3 million is double the price of $1.5 million. Uh, he ran it through Golden Auctions and, and released a statement saying, congrats to Joe. I guess Joe is whoever bought it. Given the historical significance of number 62, it was important to me that the selling process was fair, accessible, and transparent. Joe seems like a great man and the perfect steward for this special piece of MLB history. Corey, you took a bath, my guy. You don't have to be kind. You lost half of the money that you could have had. So the money grab, I mean, $1.5 million? Not nothing, but it's less than the money that you you could have gotten. Yeah, sorry, man. Speaking of money, um, I think that's all we need to talk about. That right? I think so too. Considering I've already gotten a private citizen angry at our podcast, yeah, I think it's probably all we need to do on that. Speaking of money, um, and this is not—I'm not here to rip the Orioles. I'm not here to. I'm not here. I'm not even here to criticize. I'm just, I'm wondering once again, with so many things the Yankees do, I sit back and I'm just like, can I get an explanation? I just need to, there's gotta be some reasoning behind this. So far this off season, the Orioles who finished what 83 and 79, it was their first above 500 record since 2016, mm-hmm. 27, 2016. I think it was, I believe so. Good all team. With, Huge run. Yeah. All with the new, all with all with these prospects that they've drafted over the last few years. All these guys are coming up. They're they're, they're developing at the perfect time. They're hitting their stride. They're they're showing, or at the very least, at the very least, most of these guys have at least shown an inkling of potential to be everyday major leaguers. Whether it's a star, or whether it's just an everyday outfielder, or whether it's a guy who you can rely on to come off the bench and fill innings on defense, or get a pinch hit, or whatever it is. They've had a lot of success in the player development pool with at least position players. I, I wouldn't say so much for pitchers for them. Um, and they have no money on the payroll. I think they have 40 million committed to might even be less than that at this point. Might be, it might be, it might be something egregious. I know for a fact it's under 50 million. Um, we could fact, we could fact check me at the end, but you head into an off season where the Orioles, once again, Yo's. great trajectory here promising future giant void at shortstop giant void at shortstop and they have all the shortstops to choose from all of them and they have endless money to make one of these guys come to baltimore they have other voids on the roster whether you want to i mean i don't know their roster in and out i know the outfield is fairly settled there because they have hayes they have uh mullins they have um uh the other guy who plays right field. The Either other way, guy, my favorite guy in the three tenors. Mount yeah. Castles at first. Santander. Santander, who's good, but, you know, you could figure out something with him. Mount Castles at first. Adley Rutschman's behind the plate. 
You could theoretically figure out third and short. I don't know who's at second base for them. Either way, they need pitching too. There's a ton of pitching that they need. Whether their bullpen was actually good, but the starters, big problem. This offseason, they spent $10 million on Kyle Gibson. They have been mentioned in rumors for Michael Waka and Rich Hill. And they have watched every shortstop go off the board. Carlos Correa, gone. Trey Turner, gone. Xander Bogarts, gone. Dansby Swanson, who was the last of the group, who you would have thought was probably going to sign for over $200 million based on how the market for the other guys was trending and based on the strides that he's taken over the last three years. While, you know, his defense has remained great, his bat has finally come around, um, you know, over these last three years. Signs for seven years, $177 million with the Cubs. That's a $25 million AAV. Now, I was questioning why other contenders might not have been in this. I even wondered why the Yankees didn't, if that was the price, why the Yankees weren't like, we could do this, mm-hmm. trade one of these guys, trade one of these guys, figure it out. Um, I'm not mad that they didn't. I'm just wondering why you don't take the most cost-effective deal for a shortstop out there. Over the past two off-seasons, guys, remember, he is, uh, Dansby Swanson essentially made Marcus Simeon money, and Marcus Simeon's not a shortstop. So you have him go to the Cubs. I'll rip the Red Sox for not signing Dansby Swanson. Dansby Swanson undoubtedly would have kicked our ass if he was on the Red Sox. The Dodgers, I know that they're trying to reset the tax, but they're known to always kind of figure things out. I don't know how you're not in on him. But the Orioles, this is not a $350 million deal for Carlos Correa. This is not an 11-year commitment for someone like Xander Bogarts, who you can obviously obviously see the warning signs once he hits his mid-30s. This is a seven-year deal for a 28-year-old player. You would have got all of his prime years. At a, what is going? What are they doing in Baltimore? I don't understand it. I get not signing Jacob Degrom. Okay, sure. Maybe not doing a short-term high AV for Verlander, but like you could still afford to do that anyway. What's the wait here? They could have been in on the Carlos Rodon sweepstakes just to drive the price up on us if they wanted to. They didn't do anything. Crazy. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. You just take your shot. It doesn't feel like you're on a diet. What I wasn't expecting it to do was to shut off the food noise. This was life-altering, and if I can do it, I feel like anybody can do it. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? 
outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. The interest has to be mutual, so I doubt Jacob deGrom was like clamoring to go to Baltimore, but that True. doesn't mean you can't do anything. They yeah. have the Astros brain trust there. It's Mike Elias and Sig Bigdahl. Like, it's Astros geniuses who orchestrated a tank and spend in Houston. They started the tank part in Baltimore. They got Gunnar Henderson, Adley Rutschman, D.L. Hall, Grayson Rodriguez. They're, the farm system is beastly. Heston Kerstad, uh, who, Colton Kowser. Like They just keep drafting these high-quality bats. A couple arms. There are a few arms short. Many of them are close to the bigs. That's great. Last year was an early arrival for the Baltimore Orioles. Nobody saw them in the playoff push. But there they were, right at the end. Gunner was amazing. Oh, Gunner um, at third base, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Now we we don't watch the Orioles every day, right? But right now it feels like the O's have one of those cores that's really beloved by fans, but not good enough. Where like Orioles fans will look back in twenty years and say, "Oh, I loved having Ramon Urias. That was so fun." Like, man, Jorge Mateo, what a fun player. Like Tyler Nevin, Ryan McKenna. I enjoyed it. Like I I'll beat those guys at fan fest, but if you're trying to win a wild card, win a division, win a world series, Carlos Correa needs to follow his Astros brain trust to Baltimore. You can totally stomach a 13 year deal there. And I know the interest has to be mutual, but there were rumors connecting the two parties. There was connective tissue and the Orioles didn't act. And instead all they did was sign Kyle Gibson to a one year, $10 million deal. Now they're looking at Michael Waka. They're looking at Rich Hill. They're looking at Red Sox refuse to fill out this rotation. And yeah, it's kind of tough to get people to come to Baltimore, I guess, but it's never been easier. And so if I'm the Orioles, I'm going hard after Correa. I'm going harder after Rodon because I know I don't have pitchers coming in the pipeline. I guess they think Gunner is a shortstop or they're happy enough with Mateo to use Gunner at third. I, I, I'm not sure. I, I don't live there, but Correa is a necessity. He can play third. He can move around. And and then Rodon, if they don't have pitchers coming down the pipeline, like Grayson Rodriguez, people believe in. D.L. Hall is probably a reliever at this point. Dean Kramer took genuine strides last year. Kyle Bradish displayed a ton of stuff. Who knows? You know, some days he's throwing eight shutout against the Orioles. Some days he's falling apart. Uh, John Means coming back from surgery. We don't know what he is. We know what Kyle Gibson is. He's relatively underwhelming. And that's your four right now with Tyler Wells, Austin both, Mike Bauman in the five, six, seven spots. No, no, no. Is Michael Waka an upgrade on those guys? Yeah. Is Rich Hill? No, unless you're playing the Yankees. Uh, I mean, he's now, yes, Rich Hill is an upgrade on Mike Bauman. But what was that sentence? Why did it even come out of my mouth? Why did I have to say it? 
this was a really important offseason for the Orioles, and it feels like they're treating it like instead of saying, we arrived early, now let's take the next step. They're like, we arrived early, great. That buys us another year to not really try and do anything because fans are excited that we showed up early last year. And and I guess we can trip ass backwards into 84 wins again. So if we hit the upper variance of our projections and everything goes right and Gunner hits 38 homers and the full season of Rutschman makes all the difference in the world and nobody takes a step back and everyone takes a step forward, we can win 92 games. Like, it, I guess that's what they're saying. But And that's a very reductive McKinsey Astros-ish way to look at this thing. But just be cool to your fans. Go chase one high-dollar player. It wouldn't be a folly at this point in time. You're you're right on schedule. You can do it. Yeah, and and, and forget about look. Maybe I'm being a little bit harsh and saying that, you know maybe they should have went all out. Um, I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying there there wasn't one there wasn't one signing here, and I understand that they have confidence in their young guys. Oh, damn it, I was wrong. The payroll's fifty two million. No, well, that's okay. All right, cancel the set. But guess what? That was before Gibson. So it was $42 million before they signed Gibson. Oh, and they signed Adam Frazier. So before they signed Gibson and Adam Frazier, this payroll was at under four. Yeah, that was $38 million. Am I mathing right? I think yeah. so. Yeah, I am. It was under $40 million before they signed Adam Frazier, who is not the player that a lot of people thought he was. And they signed Kyle Gibson, who is a rotation lengthener at best. Um, can he impart some wisdom on the young pitchers? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, is he going to win you 12 games? I don't think so. I really don't think Kyle Gibson can win you 12 games at this stage. No. Um, I could be wrong, um, but he won 10 last year. He won – or, yeah, 10 last year, 10 the year before. He was an all-star the year before. Get out of here. Yeah. Enough. But the NL champion Phillies, the NL champion Phillies just didn't want anything to do with him this winter. Like, did they even think about it? Not really. Uh, They didn't use him in the playoffs. They didn't use him in the playoffs more than a couple of times in mop-up duty. It was like a joke. It was like a -a make-a-wish when they put Kyle Gibson in the game. So, um, I mean, yeah, rotation lengthener, but nothing more, and that's your offseason. And Adam Frazier thinks he's starting, so – yeah, Adam Frazier will be roving on that roster for sure. You know, I look just on the surface and I'm like, you couldn't do Chris Bassett? Maybe they couldn't. Maybe Chris Bassett wanted to go to a better team. You couldn't give Tyler Anderson a lot more money. I know he wanted to be on the West Coast to be with his family, but what if you up that offer to $17 million a year, which I think maybe would have been fair for someone that good. We all – at that point, we Tyler Anderson signed for $13 million a year, and you're like, what did this guy just do? He had the entire offseason. Um, I still don't get that one. Yeah. You look at a guy like Quintana, signed with the Mets for two years, $26 million. I think that's a really good deal for the Mets. Ross Stripling, two years, $25 million. He was already, on the, he was already in the division. Um, so, yeah, I did nothing. Just doing nothing here. And the other position players, I understand, were a little bit kind of difficult to navigate, but shortstop was the layup. Shortstop was the absolute layup. You had a pick of four superstars. You got zero of them. Anyway, one of those superstars, in my opinion, I think Dansby Swanson's a superstar, um, is now a Chicago Cubs. Seven years, $177 million. I'm not going to do a whole lot of talking on the Yankees part here because the Yankees have made it clear that they're not doing this. The Yankees have made it clear that they're going with the young guys. They're going to wait it out. Um. We liked what we saw from uh, Peraza uh, in his in his playing time over the last month or so of the season. 
So there's no reason to spend $177 million on an asset that you don't necessarily need, um, especially when there's other costs to be had. You want to avoid the the last luxury tax threshold, with which I think all of us kind of understand. But Red Sox, man, what are you doing? Red Sox, again, you have, you have an opportunity to acquiesce after no. one of the largest disappointments in franchise history by letting Xander Bogarts go and not because you didn't match that contract. It was because you offered him one-third of what he got in free agency the offseason before. One-third you offered him. He got $280 million. You offered him 90 Really bad. Really bad negotiating in Boston. Really bad everything in Boston. I don't know what Boston's doing. They've signed Kenley Jansen. They've signed Chris Martin. They've signed Justin Turner. Um, I, I don't know what the outlook of this team is. Very confusing. At least if you sign Swanson, you get yourself a shortstop. He's a bearded dude, so he fits right in. Um, improves your defense immediately at the position, in my opinion. Arguably improves your offense, too. If you look at the numbers, since the start of 2020, Dansby Swanson has more home runs and RBIs than every single free agent shortstop dating back to last offseason, with the exception of Marcus Simeon, who is a second baseman, um, but he was highly regarded in the shortstop class because he previously played there. Simeon bested him in home runs and RBIs. Corey Seager bested him in home runs, but not RBIs. Dansby Swanson, 10 home runs in the short in 2020, but 35 RBIs, 27 and 88 in 2021, 25 and 96 in 2022. First all-star season this past season, first gold glove this past season, missed only two games over the last three years. And you want to talk about a team like the Red Sox, who's trying to be financially prudent with their money. I guess. I don't really know what they're trying to be, Neither, but yeah, I guess that's what they're right. doing. It would seem they're trying to be financially prudent by not giving an 11-year offer to Bogarts to obviously having restrictions with Rafael Devers and whatever extension talks are coming up. But again, seven years, all of Dansby Swanson's prime. You're not. You, you might. I, I. I would. I would. You would get a max two years of regression on this deal. Absolute max. And I think it's probably just one on a seven-year deal for a guy going age 29 to age 35. Athlete bat's been coming around. The last three years, world's better than it was his first three years in the league. I don't know how the Red Sox are not in on this, but it's made my life easier. That's why I'm wearing the Cubs hat today. Let's go Cubs, even though the Cubs also completely directionless. I don't know what you're doing. If any Cubs-related person wants to come on here and talk to me, happy to hear it out, but you got me lost. That's the biggest problem with the Swanson deal. It's not that the Yankees did not make it, which if you're going to power rank the shortstop contracts that the Yankees should have or could have signed or explored over the past couple of years. Correa's last offseason is still the number one because he ended up opting out after one fucking year. And I think we all could have agreed that in having Carlos Correa on the 2022 Yankees would have been beneficial. I think yeah. we would have been I think we would have enjoyed that. Um and he would have left and we would have never had to think about it again. Wash our hands of it. Uh Corey Seegers still made a lot of sense Kind of, although it's a monster amount of money, it probably stops you from Rodon, who I'd rather have, I think, all things considered. I want the people who want to be here. I don't want the people who are looking for a reason not to be here. Um, ben Intendi was one of those people who was rumored to be looking to the Midwest or the South or not the Northeast. And, like, I tell you what, if if I'm hearing that, I hope – I, I don't know if it's true or not, but I definitely don't want to stake five years of my financial future on someone who doesn't really want to be here. 
Um, and so I don't know what Dansby Swanson believes, et cetera, but I'm, I'm looking to prioritize people who want to be in the Bronx specifically. I think Swanson slots in basically right alongside Seager in the top two or three of the shortstop deals. The Yankees could have signed and we would have had a pretty good time rationalizing it. I don't mind losing out on him. He obviously is a contract year specialty, Mm -hmm. someone who had his best ever season the year right before free agency. He's also a lifelong Braves fan, a leader in that locker room, championship winning shortstop, got the mentality for the postseason. I'm surprised they let it get to this point and they're going to hand the keys to a rookie next year, I guess. Uh, All in all, I think the Yankees could have signed Dansby Swanson, could have thrived by signing Dansby Swanson, not going to kill them for not doing it. And I also just never really connected them here because I thought, oh, he'll be a brave for life. And then after that, I thought, well, he'll go to the highest bidder at the end of the shortstop free agency, whether it's the Twins or the Cubs or the Dodgers or the Red Sox. But they apparently are living in their own galaxy now where Xander Bogarts leaves. They don't take care of him. They disrespect him. He never would have left if they hadn't disrespected him. And then we're like, well, they'll learn their lesson. They'll give Rafael Devers the judge deal. He gets nine years, 360 or 10, 380 or something. And then no, according to a report from ESPN's June lead today, the Red Sox and Devers are in different galaxies in their extension talks at this moment, which again, I'm not a investments expert. Corey Yaumans is, I'm not, I'm not a galaxy expert, but I do think you want to be, in the same galaxy as the person you're negotiating in. Far be it for me to tell the Red Sox how to do business, but I plan on doing it anyway, so I will. I even like the Justin Turner signing, kind of. But when they get Trevor Story, they're like, well, he's not the Bogarts replacement, and he is. They get Justin Turner, and they're like, well, he's not the Devers replacement. Well, he is. We just saw you do this last year. So all, all this is to say I never expected Swanson to be a Yankee. I don't have a problem with that deal. I think it would have been fun if he came here on a similar deal or a high-dollar Correa-type deal with the opt-outs and, and all of that, where it's like a three-year deal, but you know he's only spending one here. That would have been the dream. was never going to happen. The problem is the directionless Cubs. Because we want Ian Happ. Ian Happ is the left fielder of the Yankees' future, I think. He's eventually going to hit free agency. Maybe we don't have to trade for him. And I guess that's great, but he seemed like a slam-dunk trade candidate at last year's deadline. The Cubs held on to him. The Yankees didn't make a play. They got Benintendi instead. Happ is still in Chicago, coming off his best season, 4.4 war, 119 OPS plus, 17 bombs, 271 average, 72 ribs, 342 OBP. Good ball player. Really good ball player under control through only 2023. What do the Cubs think they are? Seiya Suzuki, Dansby Swanson, Marcus Stroman signings, Jameson Tyone. Nico Horner had kind of a breakout year on defense last year. Metrics were showing he's just as valuable as Dansby Swanson. He's not. Dansby Swanson's really, <laughs> really top quality all-star type player. Nico Horner, not quite there yet. But there are pieces that make sense. There are – the uh, rotation is devoid of upside plays. Tyone and Stroman are the high-dollar value supplements, but there's no ace. Kyle Hendricks is the only guy remaining from the dynastic, the, the falling short dynasty teams, but he's banged up. I don't know what the Cubs are, but most importantly, I don't know if the Cubs know what the Cubs are. If they did, they'd probably accept that they were getting Dansby Swanson for 2025 and were just kind of excited to lock into him now and would be willing to trade Ian Happ for a large return. Like we gave him Hayden Wesneski for Scott Efros because they knew, hey, we don't really uh, – they're pulling the plug on a reliever they controlled for a really long time to get Wesneski. So they were basically saying like, 
know, we don't know if we're going to be good in 2026. Like, who cares? Take this guy. Uh, now they've got Swanson and Suzuki and these number three and four starters. Do they think they've changed their own trajectory? Is Ian Happ an extension candidate in Chicago? Do they, do they think they're winning this season? If they think they're winning this season, they'll keep him, but they shouldn't. And is he going to, are they going to shell out for him next off season? Or is he someone the Yankees can pluck for dollars alone? I want him now, but I don't think I can have him. Yeah. I think they need to get Hap under an extension. And if that doesn't happen before opening day, then the writing will be on the wall to move him by the deadline. At that point, you hope the price doesn't go up too high. I know he'll have one, uh, half of a year less of team control because he's getting close to free agency. But when you're trying to get impact players at the deadline, it doesn't really matter how much time they have left. Uh, obviously, yes, it factors into some respect. But if there are multiple contenders involved, the, the Dodgers are, might need a left fielder when the time comes. The Astros might need a left fielder, depending on if Michael Brantley's healthy or not or is even playing left field, you know? So all that's going to determine this is the demand on the market. I don't know. Um, but as for the Red Sox, Astrology 101, guys, just stay in the same galaxy as the people you like. It makes everything easier. They're closer. You get to talk to them. You don't have to send a spaceship to uh, get a message over to them. Um, don't know what they're doing, but there is paranoia. Paranoia in Boston now thinking this Justin Turner signing, which is a one-year deal with a uh, player option for the second. Yeah. Somehow they guaranteed him $22 million, but it's like 14 for year one and some $8 million yeah. player option buyout nonsense for next year. Yeah, but now it has people wondering. It's like, is this the contingency in the event Devers leaves? But then again, look, for as much as I hate the Red Sox, for as dumb as I think they can be, you can't be this dumb. Justin Turner played half of his games at DH last year. The Dodgers gave up on his defense they're, they look like they're willing to put a prospect there on opening day in Miguel Vargas if things go as planned. If not, Max Muncie can play third. Um, Chris Taylor can play second. They'll figure it out. But it's clear that they were willing to move on from a literal franchise legend for obvious reasons. The man is heading into his age 38 season. If the Red Sox think somebody heading into their age 39 season in 2024 is an adequate replacement for an MVP caliber third baseman, then we need to send – as many ambulances to Boston as we can, because we got to get those people some help. Um, I don't know. I, I, I would be speechless. And finally, with the Sox fans at this point, I think I gave you guys kudos last week or the week before, but good for you for speaking up, because every other time you're the company man. You're tooting the horn on the Mookie Betts trade. You think you won that trade because you made it to the 2021 ALCS. You're, you're, you're excited about trading Hunter Renfro for, what, a top-nine prospect. You got rid of two 30-homer power people in Kyle Schwarber and Hunter Renfro for no reason. You were behind all those decisions. Oh, I'm not paying Kyle Schwarber $80 million. What the fuck does it matter? It's not your money. Kyle Schwarber is one of the best hitters in the league. Finally, we see some revolting on your end, and I think that this would – now we, we're going to another end of the spectrum, right? If they botched – they already botched Bogarts, and that got everybody really mad. If they botched Devers, there might be an unruly amount of delusion in Boston against ownership and – um, the executives running the show, it might turn into Yankees fans delusion. How, you know, everybody wants Cashman gone or every move Cashman, you know, the whole thing we were talking about last week. Oh, we're in on road. John. Great. That's going to turn into Drew smiley and a flyer, a minor league flyer. No, it's not. No, it never not. was. When has that ever happened? It's never happened. 
who are you and what, what where are you growing up what reality are you growing up in? it's the ik the ikf trade people just acting like that happens every offseason instead of it being the uniquely worst trade of last <laughs> offseason it was and they like we've talked about the reasons why it was dumb but there was a move orchestrated to get gary sanchez out of here and it got him a utility player they loved and he wasn't that good but he also wasn't that bad and uh people uh a very skewed view of society. Yeah, I, I mean, the, the Red Sox thing, I even like the Turner move in a vacuum. I think Justin yeah. Turner's a good ball player. He had a red-hot second half last year and ended up around – he ended up having a better offensive season last year than J.D. Martinez did. So they replaced J.D. Martinez, who goes to the Dodgers, with Justin Turner, who goes to the Red Sox. Okay, I think that's a slight upgrade or slight downgrade, unless he falls off a cliff like Josh Donaldson, yeah. which he might because he's 38. And he's he started slow last year, and if he starts slow again, I don't think Boston people are going to let him forget it. Either way, I think it's either a slight net positive or a slight net negative. I like the Justin Turner move, but what it represents and coming with this Bogarts news and Devers update and knowing that Xander Bogarts is gone and they have not adequately replaced Xander Bogarts, nope. the team is worse now on offense than it was last year regardless of what Justin Turner does. And and I like the Turner move. Yeah. Um, it's going to be oh – I'm not going to say it. The Red Sox just got to figure stuff out. That's what they have to do. Um, not in a great place right now. That said, not going to be surprised if they end up doing something. They did improve the bullpen. The bullpen was a big problem for them last year, and I'm not going to say Kenley Jansen and Chris Martin are two incredible signings, but you stabilize the back end. You save yourselves maybe ten games, but the bullpen the bullpen for them blew. And if you cut those games in half, you might be it might be a different outcome. But then again, you lost Andrew Bogarts, who is a huge source of the offense. Um, either way, I'm done talking about the Red Sox. I hate yeah. them. Um, I'm glad that they're doing they're making directionless moves like the Cubs this off season. Um, I hope I don't have to eat those words at the end of 2023, but. Um, it's in the end, it's not good to be a Red Sox fan right now. And it's for the moment on paper, it's better to be a Yankees fan. So let's, uh, let's give ourselves a round of applause for For the moment to existence for the moment. I don't want to play games on paper though. I want to play games in real life. And, uh, I don't want to look at Justin Turner and think about 2013, but I do. So I hope that the Red Sox start slow. I hope they trade Rafael Devers or actually more importantly, I hope they let Devers walk for nothing. Uh, stay in a different galaxy, and I hope the Yankees or Dodgers take a shot at them next offseason. That's it for this edition of the Yanks Go Yard podcast. Uh, make sure to follow us online until the next live show, which is Thursday at 2 o'clock Eastern time, like always. But you can find the content on the site, yanksgoyard.com. And uh, the podcast, the audio feed on all podcast platforms, it's not just live on YouTube. It's on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, etc. as well. All of your favorite podcast platforms, you can find us there. New episodes release shortly after the live feed goes up on YouTube. Until next time, you can find me on Twitter at Adam Weinrib. Thomas Carinante, where can the people find you? I'm at Tommy's underscore takes. We are at the official Yanks Go Yard Twitter account at Yanks Go Yard FS. We are also at YanksGoYard.com. Our bylines are there. We got plenty of content there for the rest of this week. We're planning some stuff over the holiday break. Um, you're not going to be hearing from us next week. Maybe next Thursday, I think. Um, Maybe. I think probably. Hey, look, we could have some emergency pods. You never know what's going to happen. But Monday, day after Christmas, um, we're going to be tired. You're going to be tired. You want to hear us the day after Christmas? I I really don't think you need to hear a roundup of Yankees 
Little leverage Yankees news the day after Christmas. So um, look out for us in the event of an emergency signing blockbuster trade. Who knows? We'll uh, we'll prep for um, Thursday of this week and then next Thursday of next week if that, if that fits your guys' schedule. So until then, enjoy your next few days. Let's go Yanks. Just listen to your old favorite episodes. Listen to the Rodon app. Listen yeah. to uh, what we did after the Astros walked us off this year after the All-Star break. That was fun. Um, listen to any of the Fenway specials from last year. Um, but until next time, we'll talk to you on Thursday. We'll talk to you a little bit next week. Let's go Yankees. Make some moves. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Coriant.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.